Two days ago, the Black Menaces and the Religious Exemptions Accountability Project teamed up together and had strikeout queer phobia protests at BYU just south of campus. And apparently at many campuses, they claimed over 100 campuses across the United States. The goal of this protest was to show support and love for the LGBTQ community. That's what they used to make it seem very benign, very loving. But another goal of the protest very clearly laid out by both groups is that they want the federal government to remove Title IX exemptions for religious universities. I went to the protest with my friend Josh Nelson. I wanted to come on and talk about what I saw and my response to it and also what this whole thing is about in the broader picture. I'm Luke Hansen, and this is Red Pill Blue Blood. Welcome to another episode of Red Pill Blue Blood. Before we get started, if you enjoy this podcast, I ask that you please give this a rating on Apple or Spotify and share with those that you think would find it useful. This podcast is under the umbrella of BYU Conservatives, which I run with Tommy Stevenson. We are on Instagram at BYU Conservatives and have started a website, byucougarchronicle.org, which you can check out. Thank you. All right, so let's start with the goals of the protest. This is from the Black Menaces Instagram page. They say, We demand LGBTQIA plus equality at all federally funded schools and the use of Title IX religious exemptions by faith-based colleges and universities to target LGBTQIA plus students and deprive them of civil rights protections. Now, a funny thing about this is this protest was originally going to be called Strikeout Homophobia, but then they realized, oh, wait, that's not woke enough. So they changed it to queerphobia. However, some of the posters stayed. Strikeout homophobia. Some of the what they had on their website stayed that, whereas the titles for it changed to queerphobia. It was kind of a mess and kind of funny. But what is this Title IX thing? Title IX is a law passed, I believe it was in 1974, that basically said that there should be equality between the sexes. And this specifically was talking about education. So, for example, BYU needs to allocate the same amount of funding and resources to both men's and women's sports. There's a number of things in it, and to be honest, I'm not an expert on it. But for the purposes of this discussion, BYU, since the beginning, and thanks to some efforts by President Oaks, when he was President Oaks, meaning President of BYU, Provo, President Oaks, thanks to his efforts, Exemptions were included that upheld religious liberty, as is enshrined in the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. So BYU and other religious schools, if tenets of their religion go against regulations in Title IX, they would be exempt from those regulations. Now, what's important about Title IX? Title IX is attached to federal funds. We're talking Pell Grants federally subsidized student loans, and then also federal research grants, which, to my understanding, makes up a bulk of the research and is part of the bread and butter of a professor at a university's job. So in order to get this money, meaning in order for the students and professors, the university isn't necessarily getting a check from the federal government. They're getting the money, but it's through the channels of their students and professors. So in order for this money to come, universities must abide by these rules, but Exceptions are made to the rules when it violates religious tenets if the university is part of a religion, which, of course, BYU is. 
So Back Menaces is saying these exemptions should be gone. And interestingly, Elder Oaks came and gave an amazing talk on campus, once again hitting upon President Kimball's 1975 Second Century Address. This was the same address hit on by Elder Holland. And not surprisingly, it was another BYU address that people had a big problem with. So here's what Elder Oaks said in his talk on this subject. He says, Where would BYU and other church-related colleges and universities be today if BYU had not dared to resist the government's 1974 proposal to significantly expand its control over private higher education? President Kimball affirmed our efforts in these words from his second century address. We want to keep you free as a university, free from government control, not only for the sake of the university and the church, but also for the sake of our government. Our government, state and federal, and our people are best served by free colleges and universities, not by institutions that are compliant out of fears over funding. This is Elder Oaks still continuing. I remind you that President Kimball's Second Century Address and this Title IX episode occurred long before most of you current students and many of our current faculty were born. Ancient history? Yes. But important history to remember when current worldly pressures are focused on our differences. Now, I'll note that at the time Elder Oaks gave this address, the protest was already planned. It had been put out, the date had been set, and their goals had been outlined. I don't know to what extent President Oaks was responding to this protest specifically, but I think we can be safe in assuming that this is going to be an issue that keeps coming up. This protest is not the end. It's actually probably just the beginning. So let's get to the protest itself. I was able to go with Josh Nelson a recent friend of mine who's quickly becoming a good friend, and he's doing great work with a page called BY Unique. We've featured it on our Instagram and actually worked with him in putting it together. It's essentially highlighting Josh's as well as other members of the church who have same-sex attraction and trying to put forward the thesis that you can be a active member of the church and also have same-sex attraction. He's also using that platform to show people that would fall in this LGBTQIA community who do not agree with the goals of the activists inside of that community. So him and I went down there. There, there weren't that many people there. I, as far as I can tell, maybe 150 to 200 people. There was some, like, people would leave while other people would come. So the number that attended was a little more than the amount that was there at any one time. But that's my best guess. And we, for the most of the protest, we were going around talking to people and got several things on video that I will be showing throughout this, well, the audio throughout this podcast. So I want to spend most of the rest of this episode talking about what kind of points we heard people at this protest bringing up and, and responding to some of them. So the first thing almost everybody said was that they were there to show love and support. And they were doing that specifically because BYU was not showing it to the, quote, queer community. Now, yes, fantastic. There's, there's probably work to be done in this area. I actually heard, if this story is true, it was secondhand, but I heard kind of a concerning thing that a religious, a religion teacher said to a student when they told him that she was gay in a one-on-one -on -one meeting that they had. So I'm aware that there's issues that are there, and I don't disagree with this goal of the protest, although... I'm a little hesitant to focus on any one group. I think just by the fact that we are human, there's things that happen almost all the time that can affect any person, no matter if they're in one of these quote-unquote oppressed groups or not. So I would change 
the focus, but I agree with the general message of that. But however, 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 when you say love and support, and that's what you're there for, what exactly do you mean by that? And the thing is, I think in this case, basically any standard that's placed upon somebody in the LGBTQ community is seen as oppression. There was actually a mom that we talked to who, of course, had a child, I think it was a daughter that was gay and was a BYU student. Her thesis essentially was that maybe for a time you can be in church, but in the long run, it's impossible to be both gay and a faithful member of the church. And I could tell that to her, it was the church that needed to be reconciled to that individual's personal feelings. Now, if we take the church to be true, that's a very interesting position to have. The God of the universe and the true church that he has established upon the earth need to change to comply, to be brought in line with a person's personal feelings and desires. It, interesting. I'm not saying there's not a conflict and a tension there. Of course there is, but in her case, it was, you have to go with your own personal feelings. There's no way that you can sacrifice and draw yourself closer to the Savior in a way that will allow you to live with that tension and even thrive inside of the church. That seemed completely out of her possibility of understanding that situation. Also, of course, when we're talking about love and accepting and that BYU has to do that, they have to change to love and accept these people, there's the question of, well, if you are you know, deciding that the church is not for you, what are you doing? at BYU still. And I actually got this comment from one of the people that we talked to. He said, telling them they can just go somewhere else is like telling blacks that they can go back to Africa. Now, this is kind of a, a catchy thing and a silly thing that you kind of bring up for, that you bring up to really emphasize your point. But the thing is, yeah, I, I mean, yes, if somebody actually thinks it'd be better in Africa than in America, then that would be good advice to go back to Africa if they can. And it's not like they're, this argument is a gotcha because conservatives say the same things. You know, Ben Shapiro is like, get out of California, get out of California, get out of California if you can. Don't go to certain schools that don't have your values. You know, we're very vote with your feet. The world or the church doesn't owe you accommodation. I realize maybe it'd be easier to go somewhere else than to go to BYU if you've made up your mind about BYU being very problematic for you. It's going to be hard, but you're not, you're not owed an easy ride. You're not owed a free ride. If you want to go to a place that's better for you, that's kind of on you to go through the possibly kind of difficult process of making that happen for yourself. So those are my thoughts on this idea of loving and accepting other people. The second thing that was brought up is that some people were just unaware of the goal of the protest. We spoke to one girl, and when we started getting into the details about Title IX, and this is what the protest is about, this is what they put up on their page as the goals of the protest, this was her reaction. Um, I guess I haven't... Um, let's see. Let me think for a second. I didn't know that was a thing. That's all right. Um, I obviously wouldn't want students or professors to lose funding. And it made me think, how many people are at this protest that would actually agree with the full goals of this protest? This just reminds me that we can politely and actually fairly non-confrontationally 
educate those around us and actually probably help bring them around to our point or at least help them see our point a little more because there's a lot of ignorance about what's really going on. The next point that was brought up to us was this concept of religious freedom, this idea that religious freedom has to be practiced by yourself. You can't affect anybody else with your expression of religious freedom. And this is how it was expressed. We want people to understand that we still believe in religious freedom. We still think it's important, but we also don't think that it should be weaponized to discriminate against any one particular group. I, I think the freedom of religion should be the freedom to worship how you want and not the freedom to discriminate. This is a very popular belief. It has some truth. I'm sure you've heard it before. But see, the idea is with these people, there's no limiting principle. I mean, we get into speeches violence. I even went to a presentation fairly recently that said, if you have what this person would describe as racist or homophobic thoughts towards a person, your subtle facial expressions as you experience those emotions can transmit over to that person and cause them harm. So these people are not going to be content with religious expression in many of its forms. If they win one victory, they're going to move on to the next. And I don't necessarily mean all the activists at the specific protest, but the movement as a whole is moving in that direction. But this just makes me think, why, why would freedom of religion need to be enshrined in the First Amendment if it's not going to be bothering anybody? If you look at what's in the First Amendment, speech, assembly, the press, all of these can cause discomfort, problems for other people. <laughs> for example, even this protest, they blocked off 800 and denied some people parking and bikers had a hard problem getting through there while the protest was going on. But because of the First Amendment... This protest was allowed to coordinate with the police to get that section of a road blocked off in the middle of the day. So religion's the same way. Religion is, religion is practice. Religion is action. Religion is not just the thoughts in your head. So when we're talking about religious liberty, when we're talking about freedom of religion, it's those actions that are what are protected. And this also throws light on the important difference between public and private. In a public setting, religion can't be imposed upon any people. But when we're in a private setting, when you're receiving tithing funds, when you're on private property that is BYU's, then the game changes. And these groups are trying to make everything that you can't do in public also apply to things that you can't do in your own public life and public property. And this will also come to the family. It's already starting to come to the family, but... This worldview that they have will go right in line with imposing more and more upon parents what they can and cannot do to their children and severely limited, limiting freedom of religion even inside the walls of a person's own home. Another point that was brought up is if BYU wants the funds, they need to comply with the strings attached for taxpayer dollars. And actually, the interesting thing about this is there is some agreement from the other side about this. Not necessarily that... BYU's got to comply, but that, hey, there are strings attached whenever federal money's involved, and I'd really prefer that BYU just get out of that. Let's address the other side's argument about this first. Um, taxpayers never signed up for this. Title IX has expanded beyond its original mandate, and it includes things we didn't even vote on. This was in like the 2020, I believe it was, that it kind of expanded into this sexual orientation, gender expression, all these things started to apply to Title IX when back in 74, of course, they did not apply. It was a very different time back then. 
So you're saying you don't want your taxpayer money to go to a university that doesn't have your values. Why should I be forced to pay taxes to fund what I don't agree with? It doesn't make sense. That's the double standard. And once again, I have to emphasize that these funds that they're talking about are not going directly to the university. They are going to the university in the sense that they're going to the students for their tuition to help, and then also to the professors to do federal research that's going to benefit everybody. So there's even a disconnect between the university having certain policies and the funding itself. The funding's not even going directly to the university. And then there's also, to me, the immense irony of the fact that these students, and, and one of them even brought it up specifically in our conversation, they think they have the right to this tithing money. They think they, they're saying, oh, BYU is so cheap. Why should they be denied this um, economic benefits of BYU just for wanting to be gay while they're in college? So you're telling me that you want BYU to be held accountable to standards to get access to public funds that we're forced to pay, but then you expect to not be held to a standard to get access to sacred tithing funds that people voluntarily pay that go to, goes towards a school nobody's even forcing you to attend. If you were being consistent, I think you would say BYU, the strings attached to BYU's funds that help you out and let your college be so cheap are even stronger than the strings attached to the federal government using the money that they're taking from people by force, essentially, to enforce their vision upon the world. Now let me address our side of the argument, the people that are saying federal funding is bad news. BYU should get out of that. We should be on our own. Look, I totally hear you. There's a lot of issues with federal funding in universities, many problems I would like to fix. However, we're dealing with the issues as they are right now, not as we would like them to be. So the fact of the matter is that if the federal government denies access to funds as the way with the way the system's set up right now, that's a form of punishment. It gets tricky. You could say nobody has a right to federal funds or to Pell Grants, that kind of stuff. And that's true to an extent, but how far behind would people be at BYU? How much disadvantage would BYU have if they didn't have access to those funds? And especially the professors. Like, I'm guessing professors wouldn't be able to collaborate with other professors on federally funded research if BYU loses these exemptions. It's a tricky subject, and you could paint it as, well, they're just removing a privilege, they're not denying a right. But at the same time, like, it's clearly very punishing if that would be denied to BYU, these funds. And like I said before, these people won't stop there. If BYU doesn't get these funds, you know, if the exemptions are removed and they keep their own, they keep the same policies as they had before, but now they just don't have federal funding, that's not going to satisfy people. They're going to continue to go after BYU until they shape it in their own image. While I have issues with the federal funding model of universities right now, we need to stand strong. We need to stand for our constitutional rights and for the values of religious liberty that have continually been hammered by apostles and even specifically by Elder Oaks in his most recent talk. I'm going to stick with him on this one, and that's my response to that. As I mentioned before, I spoke with several people that were the organizers of this event that are the spokespeople for these groups uh, one of them was Nate Bird from the Black Menaces. The other one was David Schill. 
who's one of these LGBTQIA spokespeople. I forget which organization he is for, but they know what they are doing. Here's what they say about it. We don't want students to lose access to Pell Grants. We don't want professors to lose access to federal funding, things like that. What we want is for BYU to stop discriminating against specific groups of people. Unfortunately, because BYU hasn't changed in any other way, you know, there have been lots of protests, lots of petitions, lots of people speaking up, trying to say things. Um, now we have to hit where it hurts. It's unfortunate, but that's the reality, and that's kind of always been the case when it comes to significant changes in American history and in world history. The, the fault would still fall squarely on BYU because it is their fault that, that queer people would be receiving less money. Um, and we can't, we shouldn't blame the victims in this case. So they're very clear, and they have their messaging down. They're saying, this is not on us. Sure, we might be the people to bring about this change that hopefully doesn't happen, but it could. Sure, we might be the reason that this change happened and that all these students, including queer students, I have to <laughs> hit on this. If they succeed, all the queer students and professors at BYU are going to get hurt, and they're aware of that. But that's fine with them. They understand how to work the system. And they understand what their messaging is going to be if they succeed. And really, I and other people need to get a little bit better, I think, at the long game and about what our goals are and what our messaging is on this. Which brings me to a little side issue that happened with this protest. So we had been planning to do this video, this man on the street thing for a while, Josh and I, as well as other BYU conservative member, Tommy Stevenson, although he couldn't be there in person. But we wanted something a little more. What else can we do? We were thinking, okay, what if we sang some hymns next to the protests? We have the protests, and then we'll have hymns over on this part. But then, as we thought about it more, it was, well, what are the optics of that going to be? If we only get 10% of the people that show up to the protest, how is that going to be turned around? And we have a little bit of experience with the back-to-school night, pride night that happened at Kiwanis Park at the beginning of the semester where that group did a very effective job using the protesters to their own benefit and putting their story out there even more than it probably would have gotten if the protesters hadn't been there. So we wanted to avoid that, but we still wanted, how can we get more people involved? So what we ended up coming up with the night before was, let's have a flash mob. We only need to get a few committed people together. Let's go into the cookery. It'll be very busy. It'll be lunchtime. And one person will start singing and everybody else will join in and hopefully get the whole cougar to join in. The song that we had selected for the singing was The Spirit of God. Let's sing that. We can get it on video. We can put it out there. Be like a very unifying thing. Seems like something that could get passed around fairly easily. And then after a hymn, maybe Josh or myself could kind of say a few words and just, hey, we're here trying to support the university, trying to stand up for religious freedom, our constitutional rights etc. Then sing one more hymn and call it a day. That was our plan. I started messaging people, getting some people that might be interested in attending, and then at about midnight the day before, so 12 hours before the start of the protest, I put out a story on Instagram asking anybody who might want to be involved to come on over to the Cougarid and participate in this. At 10.30 the next morning, I received, and Tommy also received, a letter from the Office of the General Counsel, so legal office at BYU. The subject was today's planned unauthorized flash mob on BYU campus. We were informed this was against BYU's demonstration policy. We were asked to not 
do the flash mob. And we were told to please reply and confirm that you have received this email and that your planned event on campus today will not go forward. Now, on one level, this does make sense. BYU is a private institution, private property, as I've said. They are completely within these rights to have this kind of policy. However, I couldn't but help feeling like there is a there's a double standard going on there, and I still have this opinion. There seems to be a double standard, and I, I wrote back to this email, and this was my response to it. I said, I can't help but notice many other groups on campus do not appear to have been held to such a high standard as we were. First, there have been multiple rainbow days at BYU that have been well-publicized in advance and include not only wearing certain symbols and colors, but also a gathering in the quad, which I understood to be a demonstration. Second, there was a daily chalking of BYU property following Elder Holland's remarks last year. Third, the Y was lit two times. Per the Salt Lake Tribune, there were police officers up there, but no effort was made to prevent the largest collegiate sign in the world from being hijacked by activists. Fourth, the Black Menaces continually record video on campus in violation of campus policy. Fifth, Black Menaces also put up many posters and QR codes for their event that they're having on campus, meaning the posters is what they put up, not the event was going to be on campus. And I continued on a few more points that weren't as directly related to the demonstration policy. I continued later in the email, I'm not accusing you personally of malice or a double standard, but I hope you can see why I might suspect the BYU bureaucracy needs to rethink its strategy. My intimate experience with BRU's response to the Duke volleyball debacle leads me to believe that BYU has adopted a, quote, squeaky wheel gets the grease, end quote, approach to enforcing their policies and dealing with controversy. I contend that this is a poor strategy. All the instances of violation of BYU rules I have enumerated are objectively more harmful to the mission of this university than singing the Spirit of God, which is about all we plan to do. Yet it seems we are the ones being held to the rules while those with support on Twitter get a pass. I gladly welcome any information that may change my mind about BYU's approach to these issues. Once again, and this was something I had brought up before in the email, I would not have planned this event if I believed BYU was concerned about minor violations of their policies. Actions speak louder than words. I respect the rights of BYU as a private institution, and I love the stated mission of BYU and its sponsoring institution, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I will continue to fight for those rights and values. Sincerely, Lou Hansen. I was very grateful to, just a few hours ago, actually receive a reply to this email that I had sent, inviting me and Tommy to a meeting. Hopefully we can get some clarification and bring forth our issues that we have to people that will listen to us. The activists on the other side of this issue are going to do what they're going to do. We can't do anything about that. But I hope that as we go forward and continue to deal with this issue, this is not going to end, that we can reach out and communicate with other people that might not be fully aware of what's going on, as well as educate ourselves more about what's going on, and I also do hope that BYU will step up to the plate. I'm not saying they're not doing anything, but I really think that they can step up to the plate, stand their ground, and, and make it clear that this is where we are. We're right here. We love everybody, but we're not going anywhere. I'm Luke Hansen, and this is Red Pill, Blue Blood.